This is the Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network. Says hide and seek. Are we really going to play that? Those are the rules. Boils and ghouls, lock your doors and strap yourselves in. From Los Angeles, California, Bloody Disgusting presents the Boo Crew Podcast. Horror news, commentary, reviews, interviews, and more. With your hosts, Tim Timebomb, Leone D'Antonio, Lauren and Trevor Shan, Austin Wilkin, and Rachel Tejada. Let's go! Hey, I'm Lauren. I'm Trevor. And I'm Leo. And, and we're, we're the, the Boo Crew! Crew. Welcome to episode 62. This week we're joined by two of the stars of the new film, Ready or Not, Samara Weaving and Adam Brody. If you're listening to this at the time of release, in theaters everywhere, Wednesday, August 21st. They talk about this exciting new genre film that has definitely made our list of the best of the year, hands down. Get lost in the beautiful set pieces and props. Find out the stories behind some of the most memorable scenes, all while being covered in buckets of blood. Call that babysitter. Revisit Jennifer's body and in Enjoy the show. We're going to start the count. Good luck. Hello, this is Samar Weaving. And this is Adam Brody. We're playing a game of hide and seek with the Boo Crew. Ready or not? Here Here we come. I know you're in here. Oh, Jesus. You shot the maid. Does she look like she's wearing a giant white wedding dress? Emily? (laughs) Holy shit. I had to play along so that I can get you out. It's insane. They think they have to kill you before sunrise. Or something very bad will happen to the family. If we don't find her and perform the ritual, we're all dead. Found her. Go ahead, scream. That's all we need. Another victim crawls onto the gurney for a Boo Crew autopsy. Joining the Boo Crew in the Speakeasy studio are two of the most fun and charming people to watch bring to life stories that just grab us. She is an actor who brings a sense of wicked whimsy to everything she does. Her choices not only in the projects she aligns herself with, but those in each performance are enchanting, unexpected, and wholly original to her. It's an absolute delight to be taken on that journey as an audience member, and her command of that deserves to be celebrated. She got her start on the series Out of the Blue and perhaps one of the most famous soap operas of all time, Australia's Home and Away. Went to do an impressive list of TV and film projects, including her starring role as B in McGee's phenomenally fun and blood-soaked eye candy store, The Babysitter, putting an adrenaline shot in the horror genre. She went on to Joe Lynch's Over the Top Mayhem and will be seen in the upcoming Guns Akimbo with Daniel Radcliffe and Bill and Ted Face the Music. He is a producer, actor, writer, and musician who has been in some of the most revered film and TV projects, from franchises like American Pie and Scream to The Gilmore Girls and the role that perhaps defined a generation, playing Seth Cohen on all four seasons of the TV classic The O.C. His skill in improv, his vulnerability and likability turned him into a true pop culture phenomenon and tastemaker. He's worked alongside Pitt and Jolie and Mr. and Mrs. Smith, co-wrote a comic book miniseries for DC, showed up in movies from everyone including Kevin Smith, Greg Araki, and 2010's absolute masterpiece in one of our favorite horror films of all time, Diablo Cody's Jennifer's Body. Together, their new film is one of the freshest, funniest, and compelling horror movies movies hands down over the past two decades and will go down as not only an all-time genre classic but its striking iconic imagery will be one of the most remembered in not only genre cinema history but burned into the screens permanently in the multiplexes and movie houses for decades to come if you're listening to this at time of release ready or not is in theaters everywhere wednesday august 21st we are honored to welcome two of its stars samara weaving and adam brody very much thank you that's a pretty lackluster introduction (laughs) (laughs) i guess i'll just lower my, my 
expected. <laughs> Before we discuss the movie, let's go back to the horror films that made an impact on you. What were your guys' earliest memories of the first time you saw a horror film? I had to run away. <laughs> <laughs> I was round at a friend's house and the parents left and they had the ring. Oh. Yeah. Speaking of Samara. <laughs> I know. And it's creepy because my name's Samara and my sister's name is Morgan. And I'm in the ring, is- dude. That's right. But you didn't even know that. <laughs> Wait, really? I tell her about the tape. I have a one scene in it. And what? I kind of tell her like she. I'm so I, sorry. I was hiding behind my head. <laughs> I, don't even, I don't even remember I'm in that. Go on. That, no way. I'm just saying. I thought I'd mention it. It's a nice hey, coincidence. Go on. Yeah, and it also highlights how old I am and how young you are. <laughs> uh, that, I mean, that's the whole story. I just freaked out. And I like filming horror movies. Right. We're not a horror fan. I'm not a massive horror fan. I'm yeah. getting better, though, because now be- I know how it's made. <laughs> <laughs> I can see the math behind it. Now. So you're actually completely frightened by horror movies I'm for the most part. I'm just terrified. Wow. Even this one, I can't. There's one scene I can't, even though it's myself. It's very strange. I can't watch it. <laughs> <laughs> is it the gore? It's the the suspense. I'm such an anxious person anyway. I'm like, I don't need to pay someone to make me even more anxious. Right. Than I <laughs> oh, I know exactly what scene you're talking about. Yeah. But we'll There's a nail how- involved. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. I grew up at a time when you could walk to your local video store at like 10 years old and go, I'm going to rent Nightmare on Elm Street 1 through 5, Friday the 13th, 1 through 8, take them all home. And so... I very much grew up on all the 80s slasher stuff and those films I loved love. it. Yeah. Because yeah. they're not too terrifying. They were scared the shit out of me at the time, but yeah, they're not. So that's what I grew up on. I'm trying to think of an image. Um, there's this one, this is totally random, and I'm going to forget the name. Maybe you can help me find the name. It's a Brian De Palma film. I didn't know that. I was watching HBO at like eight years old or something. There's this scene that I've remembered for 30 years. Just this image of like, this is awful, but this woman getting like drilled and like, like literal drill. And, like, and, uh, and <laughs> and like uh, on the above stair, the guy's going trying to save her or something. And he goes to like below, and so the floor below this apartment that she's getting, like a drill is going through her through the floor. Like the drill, then the blood, and the drill comes out the bottom, the ceiling of the floor below. And I, I, it's just awful, and it stayed with me for thirty years. And I was kind of watching some. It's not dressed to kill. It's God. What is the thing? And he got. Anyways, it's a fucking Nepal movie from the eighties. I can't. I can't wow, remember the name. Well, of now I gotta look by. that shit up. That's amazing. The movie was okay. I finally the riddle of this like horrendous image. Of right. right. Been carrying <laughs> around for thirty years was solved. So this film, Ready or Not, is in the hands of some incredible people who have reinvented the genre. That'd be Matt Tyler and Chad, known as Radio Silence. Their entry in the anthology film VHS was so unique and so terrifying. Ten thirty one ninety eight. It just stuck to us ever since. They did Devil's Due. Southbound now, ready or not, a genius script by Guy Busick and Ryan Murphy. How did you both come on board and what did you see on the page version of this? They just did such a good job of threading that needle between comedy and horror. I mean, I've done a few of those slash genre films and it's really difficult to get right. And it starts with the script and I hadn't played a protagonist yet in that genre. That really interested me and I wanted to see what that would be like. Then I went and met with them and they were really lovely and very collaborative, which I was very attracted to and then said, yeah, let's do it. I was sent the script as well. I thought it was very clever and it's a fun, re- quick read, which mm-hmm. is like maybe the best thing you can say about a script. Yeah. You know you like it when you read it fast. And mm-hmm. It's quick, it's consistently clever, it builds, it gets better as it goes along. It's not like, oh, it starts well and then it runs out of steam or gets chaotic. It's sort of the opposite, although it starts great too, but it just like, they just kept 
kept it consistently clever and funny and thrilling and uh, inventive. And so I was really, I was, I was really excited. And then I had a Skype because they were they were already in Toronto prepping for it. So I had a Skype with the three of them, and uh, we hit it. They're such lovely guys. I mean, they've all become friends. We all hit it off instantly. Can you give anyone not familiar with the movie a plot synopsis of what goes down? Sure. Sure. Uh, <laughs> woman marries into a new rich family that comes from a gaming dynasty board games think Milton Bradley she has to per family tradition pick a game to play on the wedding night she picks the one game unfortunately that has deadly consequences yeah it's a deadly game of hide and seek in terms of your characters were you guys given any, any particular movies to watch to influence to kind of I definitely studied female protagonists in this genre and I really made a point with Radio Silence and Fox Search that I really wanted her to be logical because there's a lot of times where you're laughing at the woman because she makes really stupid decisions like she goes up the stairs instead of down or doesn't (laughs) try and and I wanted you to be laughing with her not at her because there's so many discoveries in this film where she's discovering more and more awful things and I didn't want it to be the same beat where she's just horrified and screams every single time you know I wanted there to be a rage behind her at some point like there's a pivotal turn and and they were so lovely about really supporting me with that the radio silence projects all of them across the board have kind of a mystique to them tonally and they're whimsical as much as they are fun as much as they are sinister how do they do their jobs on set to give you that universe in which to play in you guys are really good at playing in that realm with improvisation and and that freedom i don't even know that i was going personally that we were all aware specifically what the tone was i think they kind of by putting together the ingredients and getting the dp they got getting the actors they got choosing the script they did and working in that you know it all kind of adds up to their tone but I do know that the way they broke it down and I don't know if it was the same for you you tell me but Tyler would kind of deal in between takes with camera and logistics yeah. and Matt would come over and we would talk yeah you know, he was acting. more with the performers and Tyler would work with yeah the technical side but I think they could switch places instantly but maybe they made it like that so that we wouldn't get confused right. I don't know but it worked out great because it was really like I didn't have to split my time okay he's dealing with camera and then let me talk to you, it was just like Matt would come over and we'd huddle about the performance. Meanwhile, yeah, it was efficient. the other stuff is very efficient. Very efficient. The two of you played your roles in the damn pocket and are actually very similar characters in terms of their contrast. At times, both vulnerable and ass kicking in your own way. How do you guys find that pocket as actors where you seem to leave a beat in between for the audience to go through those subtleties in the journey of that character with you, like kind of like a metaphorical empty seat beside you to experience that journey and grow with you? How do you guys do that? so well. It's got lucky, I guess. (laughs) Grace is kind of going, she's like torn. On one hand, she really wants to make her marriage work, but she has to survive. It's the ultimate. And I think Daniel is pretty similar. For me, and probably I think for you too, certainly this movie is right in our wheelhouse. There's real stakes. It's dramatic. It's also very funny. And I think, you know, I like comedy. I like drama. I'm good at both, probably not amazing at either, but somewhere in the middle kind of combine the two and it's a nice, that would probably be my wheelhouse anyways. And so I'm pretty comfortable in this area playing real stakes, but keeping a lookout for the joke. Part of what makes this story so irresistible is it's funny, it's ripe with social commentary, it's powerful, it's gory, but it's also got this amazing full ensemble performance with a lot of strong characters (laughs) and the performances of these characters are just unforgettable, each one in their own right. What were some of your favorites 
to watch develop. Talk to us about creating in that space with these other people. Yeah, I think when I watched it, it's so amazing that they have these really grounded, sort of straight men, you know, where I'm playing it really straight, but a perfect balance with these outrageous characters who were just a delight to watch, like Aunt Helene. Oh, she's oh my amazing. God. <laughs> she didn't have to do anything. She just could look at you, and it was so funny and terrifying. And Melanie. <laughs> it's kind of how you know it's a good movie, is you yeah. go, oh, every performance is memorable, everybody's mm-hmm. worth your time, no one's a bore, everyone's got, like something great to do or say and everyone uh, so good yeah surprisingly it was so well balanced yeah because you always think that's what i'm trying to say (laughs) there might be a character that's just left behind Mm -hmm. but no everybody had their moment had a good scene as a kill somewhere a lot of gore (laughs) a lot of one-liner here a funny moment yeah it was hilarious i go back and forth of who i like the best because i like so many (laughs) you know i like so many of the performances (laughs) actually i love mark Mark is in the movie so much and he particularly i without giving him too much away like He's in a great scene that I'm not in, and I just, that's my favorite scene in the movie, and I just love him in it. Oh, you have to tell me after. I want to talk about the props in this movie, because the props are amazing, and I want every single one of them. (laughs) Did you guys keep anything from this movie? Samara, did you keep any of your dresses? No, Matt took my shoes. (laughs) <laughs> the cons? That's weird. The cons yeah, Matt's <laughs> I don't know what he's going to do. That's so uh, funny. No, the wedding dress was actually um, a skirt and a shirt. Oh, okay. Yeah, wow. so it was snowing some of the days, so I would wear lots of sweatpants and warm things underneath. <laughs> <laughs> one wow. pro of wearing a wedding dress. I have at one point, oh, it's on the poster, the big... What do you call it? The bullet? Bandolier? Bandolier, Oh, yeah, that elephant gun looking thing with the giant bullet. Yeah, yeah. That was like 20 kilos of weight around the world. (laughs) Oh, my God. How many of the dresses did they end up making? Because they get... A lot. They kind of decay as the movie gets crazy. There's different levels of that dress. I think there was 17 just for me, and they had to do doubles and stunt ones as well. So there was a lot. Wow. Wow. Lauren, Lauren, there's lots to track down. (laughs) (laughs) On a mission. Yeah, you should get the... I was curious, knowing that Mm -hmm. the dress, and obviously your character would get, you know, the dress would get dirtier and ripped and all that. Was it shot in sequence in order or? Opposite. Really? It was all over the place? (laughs) Yeah, I think the second day was we shot the ending. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, which was good. Just get all that mess (laughs) (laughs) mess <laughs> 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 going in the second day of shooting were you guys surprised that that was the ending no not really I mean I don't think I've ever done a film where you do it in we're the right way yeah <laughs> the preferred way yeah <laughs> um, I've had worse in terms of out of sequence yeah I've done a couple series like 10 episodes that all out of all block shooting all out of yeah. order oh, so oh like, wow all out of order the main setting in this movie is the house that I think will join the ranks of like the original Haunting and Crimson Peak. It's beautiful. Where was that place? Was it an actual set or it was, was it a two, location? Two locations, two mansions, and they made it look like one. It was the Billy Madison house. Yeah, it was house. the one, yeah. Oh, oh wow. It was the Billy Madison house. Yeah. <laughs> and then another one was in Toronto. It's like a museum kind of, right? It's like- yeah, and there was a restaurant that wouldn't. Oh, uh, what are uh, we trying to film? Uh, <laughs> Casa Loma. Yes. Casa Loma. Yes. 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 Wow. Yeah. Oh, your Canadianism yeah, pays off. Showed. <laughs> finally shows. <laughs> Adam, again, you play Wicked so well. There's one particular scene with you and Samara in the study where you absolutely sell all the aspects of your character almost entirely in that one scene. What was that like to prepare for? Thanks. The preparing I did was I went to the bar like the night before I started. <laughs> I got some wild turkeys just to kind of like 
get a buzz going and try and carry that through. They do such a weird pour, and, and I'm not a big drinker. I'm very much a lightweight, but in Canada, like, literally one finger, they have, like, a stopper on the bottle where, like, legally they can't. So, I mean, I'm sure I could have kept buying them. I didn't. But anyways, point is, I didn't, I didn't get that drunk because it, it's very tiny. Like um, Australia, yeah. Is that that way, too? I came yeah. to the States and I was hammered all the time. Yeah. It's free port. So yeah, you guys have, so yeah, you guys got like safeties yeah. on it. Or it's, yeah, it just stops once like it's, yeah. again, a finger at most. Right, right. Anyways, um, that was the preparation I did. There was actually a scene, we had a scene that got cut that was um, before the wedding, or be- right before, after the wedding, but right before we go in, not the ritual, and choose the game, I see you in the study, and I'm at my most drunk. Oh, that's right. And um, that's not in there, and I don't know, maybe I was fucking... Wasn't no, so, con- so they, convincing. The studio said it was too funny, so maybe they. Oh, cut. interesting. Too funny. Also, well, also it might have been redundant. I'm sure it was perhaps redundant because we yeah. have that other scene that is right. more or less the same thing. Anyways, most of my preparation had more to do with alcohol than <laughs> you know, motivation. Or Were there any challenges while filming this? I mean, I think Samara, obviously, by me. Yeah, such a physical performance. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like that to yeah. me seems like the. Yeah, that was. I mean, it was just the weather, really. It was night yeah. shoots, and it would be snowing, so it was just trying to keep warm was yeah. the biggest. Difficulty. I did this. We have a scene outside, and I and I had filmed in like in Toronto a lot that way already the, earlier that year, and I'd already <laughs> froze my ass off. So I was like, okay, my character fine, his jacket's off, he's inside, but when he goes outside. I think I, in a scene earlier, for whatever reason, I put my jacket on on camera to kind of, Clever. I planned it out <laughs> so that I have my jacket on when I'm out there. Yeah, I'm, I'm getting more and more ripped and yeah. less clothing. <laughs> so, good for you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it wasn't going to help if I was cold. It's not going to make no. you any warmer. Yeah. So. I just sold it as fear, you know. <laughs> yeah. I'm so shaking. <laughs> Samara, I wanted to talk quickly about The Babysitter, which was such a thrill. Oh, it was yeah. everything we love about horror all in one. A roller coaster ride, and you played B, and she was so fun and evil. What was that process like to put a fresh coat of paint on the genre, and how did that impact your career? I was very fortunate. It was my first American film, so I was just very nervous the whole time. And they had stand-ins, which I didn't know was a thing. That wow! Was cool. I was like, oh, I don't, to, I don't have to block and stay here. I was like, okay, great, thanks. Oh. And then doing an American accent for the first time for a feature that was you were amazing at it. Yeah. Time. I think I at ADR a couple, of years. <laughs> <laughs> and on this one too. Really, a couple, yeah. And what were your tricky words? The tricky ones are when I hit the R too much. Yeah, nower arms. I'm like <laughs> arms, and it's like just say arms. Like it's fun. <laughs> Can I ask you? Good. Yeah, is it American accent enjoyable to do, or more of like do you feel hemmed in? No, it's fun, but it is? I'm comes especially if I have to improvise. Yeah, yeah, because it's two beats because yeah, yeah. I'm like oh I thought of a funny thing to say or and now let me and translate now, it wait a sec yeah yeah, yeah I see because I always thought to me like Americans seem so clipped or so you know sure whereas like doing a British Australian seems so much more lyrical and sing song and like <laughs> it seems fun yeah whereas yeah Americans seems like you've got to go like erase your personality <laughs> no <laughs> no way you Not swear good in American and that oh, one uh, scene after the uh, in the car uh, <laughs> was that improv yeah I think that it went for like I think it was like a six minute 
Uh, rant. That's but I was so awesome. cold and miserable. I just it's like meant how it. I felt it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then Adam, the tenth anniversary of Jennifer's body is coming up in a few weeks. Yeah, it, right. Yeah, right. it really is. Yeah, your role as Nikolai. What a performance! And there's Thanks. that one scene that you uh, had with Megan Fox in the Devil's Kettle Falls area that was particularly powerful. It's very fitting that we're sacrificing another woman. Right there, the you go. Right, yeah. <laughs> Ten years later. <laughs> Seriously, again, adding humor to that scene was a feat because that is a brutal scene, but you managed to ride that line and still bring out the absurdity in that and a degree of social commentary as well. What are your feelings looking back on that film? And do you see it as the power piece that it is now? Yeah, I mean, I you know, it's funny. Fox Searchlight is putting out this movie right now and they're doing an amazing job. The now defunct short-lived Fox Atomic was putting out that one and I, not to throw them under the bus too much because I don't know if any amount of marketing in that year would have done it justice or changed the perception at that time, but I really think they just 180 degrees did everything wrong in that regard. And I mean, it's a movie written by Diablo Cody, who just won an Oscar, directed by Karin Kusama, a woman, like a visionary female director. It's starring two women. And they ran from that as much as possible. They didn't put Diablo... She just won a fucking Oscar, her last screenplay. They didn't use her to advertise at all. They were like, down in the letterboxes, there are those people. But this is Megan Fox. This is about boobs. This is for dudes. <laughs> and it's it's really not. No. You know? And and so I think they just went to the wrong audience. And, um, and in an uncreative way, too. I mean, it wasn't even like, oh, it's a good poster, even though it's not what the movie is. It's also just like a bad poster and so on and so forth. And so... Because I really liked the movie at the time. I I remember I saw it. I thought it was fantastic. And I was so surprised at the market. I also thought it'd be a marketing person's dream. And not to harp on the marketing so much, but I love it. I love probably I like trailers more than movies and I like posters more than trailers like I really you know I fucking maybe I get no more joy than walking in the movie theater and seeing the posters and then trailers I love it and so I'm so pleased with this movie and the great the great job yeah the 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 great job they've done so anyways to me that movie was also like a marketing person's wet dream and like so many great images oh you know what I mean when you think of the images and it's like you didn't use that you just made up an image anyways so the movie's I don't know the movie's great and it's definitely uh, a feminist movie from a feminist point of view and um totally misrepresented at the time and uh, i'm just happy that people have uh found it embraced it and it's got its day so i'm thrilled and you know maybe it's even cooler to have people discover it this way and it maybe it adds to the story of it. it's kind of ultimately it worked out great but you know at the time missed opportunity for sure like diablo said and we all agree it was way ahead of its time yeah there was some misogyny at play you know i think um if i want to dig in a little more to like She's an outspoken writer and seeing I think people already right after Juno kind of wanted to punish a little bit. I think Megan Fox was an outspoken actor. Oh, God, did she call Michael Bay Hitler when she was 24? Like, who gives a fuck? And somehow that was like, how dare she? I don't know. Jason Reitman directed Juno. No one seemed to give him any. They seemed to embrace him right away after that. So I don't know. I think different time, even though it wasn't that long ago, different time. The poster for Ready or Not is insane. I mean, it really brings to mind back to those video store days yeah, of going through and just Absolutely. picking something from the yeah. cover. If I Absolutely. saw this, I'd be like, oh my God. Yeah. This it, is it's insane. That, it's that image of Samara when you see that scene in the movie where she dresses up 
Yeah. I mean, I looked at these guys and I said, that's the next cosplayer costume? Oh, yeah. yeah that's the next yeah, Halloween right. costume yeah, right there. And I'm pretty sure they used the take where I, I was joking. Oh, <laughs> really? I, I say cheeses, not Jesus. You say cheeses? I said cheeses. Cheeses. a joke. And I think that it's in the movie. I'm not saying Jesus. I'm saying cheeses. They just think it's your Australian accent. <laughs> as far as filming in the beautiful mansions, I just wanted to know, did anything creepy happened there filming in some place that was old and i want to say yes but i can't yeah we can't talk about it (laughs) (laughs) it's a secret (laughs) um no i don't know (laughs) (laughs) i know they do tours of the what's it called again the casa loma Loma. yeah and um a bunch of people had written their initials it's the scene where i'm ripping the dress in that it's like the back alleys of the okay. house. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And um, Mark and I wrote our initials. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> so cool. So we're up there if you want to go check out. That's great. Little T dot yeah. field trip. <laughs> that's awesome. Adam, I read that you love Death Cab for Cutie and I love Death Cab for Cutie. Is there a favorite Death Cab song that you have? Uh, or did I read that wrong? You know, I, here's the truth of the matter. <laughs> okay, I want to hear it. They were my favorite band. Okay. I still like them very much but like the true stuff I know is like Transatlanticism and yes. then and then the photo album actually oh, that's the God, one that I, I that's album. the one that I would love that like meant so much to me that yeah. I when I was going into the OC before that like that's the one that like I played on repeat so the photo album let me just say generally and there's even one before it but those the, al- the photo album and the one before it are the big ones for me we're fresh off the latest Death Cab we Hollywood bullshit. show, show. <laughs> <laughs> I heard it's great I heard their new one's great I heard it on the radio it's awesome oh yeah, yeah. 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 their really new song good. yeah they're pretty consistent Lauren's dragged me to see more Death Cab shows than uh, anyone ever. should possibly ever <laughs> see you love it you I, love do, it. I do I do I do I do in terms of the horror genre, you guys have been on various sets now. I know you've been on one where it was an Oscar-winning movie, right? I mean, the yeah. three billboards. Three billboards. When you get on these horror sets, it's more like an indie filmmaker vibe, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, do you guys enjoying that experience? Is it quite different from what you've seen before? Horror in general or, yeah, just, or what, lower budget? Lower or budget, what do you mean? Yeah. I mean, it was really great on this because we couldn't just all, like, disappear to our trailers in yeah. between. We, we we had to. Yeah, no, yeah. it was really lovely. No, we, we, all, we hung out in a room like, yeah, this, like this, on our phones, but talking. Yeah, it was really fun. We <laughs> Sort really of the entire time. A really good friendship circle. And we yeah. all have a little text yeah. group and annoy each other. It almost feels like that movie, everybody had to be there at all times. I- a lot. I mean, not everyone at all times, but yeah. yeah I mean, there's a lot actually, of a lot of group scenes. And yeah, a lot there was of- one scene where everyone was in it the very beginning we all felt like we were part of an ensemble very much i think and honestly everyone's just i can't speak highly enough about everyone in this movie and and the makers so this was a great experience in terms of collaboration and stuff i feel like most things i do save for shazam which did not feel indie in any way almost everything else i feel like gets pretty intimate not that shazam wasn't collaborative but obviously you're dealing with like stunts and you know there's other other things to worry about but yeah almost everything else i feel like regardless of size kind of ends up being you huddled with the director and the other actors kind of looking at the sides going what do you what do you want to do here samarin adam thank you so much for spending time with us today go see you ready or not if you're listening to this at time of release out everywhere wednesday august 21st congratulations on a phenomenal job what last question for you so you have we sort of already asked this Hmm. we've talked about it but you have this memorabilia everywhere in your house yeah what is the coveted item from this movie 
We, that you we, want. You know, obviously there's a lot to get, but if you could have each of you, this is for each. You can have okay. one thing. Right. Dress, <laughs> gun, whatever. Lauren? Okay, can I pick two? Yeah. Okay, thank no, you. No, no, one. No, I said one <laughs> well, each. He did. Damn. <laughs> this is so hard. Do it. I'll pick the other one that you don't pick. No, okay. you can have two. Okay, I want the box, the game box. Oh, that's great. That's oh, yeah. great. Yeah. That's that is call. just like, I'll drool over that. And I'd want a dress with shoes. And I want like a bloody dress. Which bloody, do you the want blood. the goat carcass dress? That one's pretty yes. good. Yeah. Yes. Oh, oh. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. That's an emphatic yes. A little bit of vomit on it. Yes. That's what I said when we were yeah. watching. I was like, that is the dress yeah. I want. The more damaged, the, the cooler, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I would have to say the same thing. I mean, it's that dress is iconic now. So, yeah, I would say the well, dress. Can I, I take yours one. since you didn't say anything new? I guess. Okay. I'd get the crossbow. Because <laughs> yeah. that was badass. Yeah. In and terms of weapons, that's probably. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I'll, I'll probably get uh, Aunt uh, Helene uh, her battle axe, her battle axe. Oh, yeah, 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 medieval yeah, yeah. battle axe. It's like as big as her. Yeah. But, 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 yeah. but then again, one of my favorite scenes of the movie is that rifle you're holding in, oh, yeah. in that kitchen sequence. Mm-hmm. That was so intense. I'm just like, <laughs> fuck! If she, she fires that thing, it's gonna blow a hole. In it. <laughs> <laughs> so I want that gun. You can have it. <laughs> Fair enough. Cool. I think that box is a good call. The That's box like yes. yes. Very easy to display too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Practically speaking, it's so beautiful. Do you go with the nice, nice box or the bloody box? Oh, with the hair oh. on it. <laughs> the nice one. I think the, the I think the nice one. But that's just yeah. 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 <laughs> I would take the nice one. So hopefully it'll just magically appear here like, today or tomorrow. Yeah. Power of attraction or whatever they call it. Yeah, guys, awesome, movie, guys. movie's so good. Thanks yeah. a lot. It's yeah. amazing. For having us. Thank you guys so much. Thank Appreciate you. it. Thank you, my dear. It is your turn. That was a Blue Crew Podcast episode 62. Special thanks to our guests, Samara Weaving and Adam Brody. Follow her at Sam Weaving on Instagram and S Weaving on Twitter. Catch up with Adam at Handle Brody on Twitter and make sure you check out Ready or Not. It's Samara Weaving for the Boo Crew saying see you on the other side. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Boo Crew Podcast. Haunt the Boo Crew at TalesFromTheBooCrew.com. Tales from the Boo Crew on Facebook and Instagram. Follow us on Twitter at Tales from the Boo. The Boo Crew is Tim Timebomb, Leone D'Antonio, Lauren and Trevor Shand, Austin Wilkin, and Rachel Tejada. The Boo Crew is produced by Lauren Shand, chopped and sliced by Trevor Shand. The Boo Crew is a TSP creation, part of the Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network. Bye.